0: Keep
1: them doggies rolling.
0: (laughs) You know, I was listening to the Vegas Tripping podcast today. I was traveling today and (laughs) I had some extra time and so I was well, that's not why I was listening, but it was the next thing up in my podcast player. And I was like yelling at you guys, disagreeing with you. And I was like, this is ridiculous. And then I was like, wait, if only I had a podcast on which I could complain about this. (laughs) Oh no. No, I thought I thought it was funny. I, I enjoyed the show. I thought it was great. Um, I, I appreciate it, it was a good episode uh, I definitely recommend people go listen to it But you guys were talking about Steve Wynn um, I, my, my only um, Disagreement I think Is in the plausibility of A, a hostile takeover I feel like it's actually Quite a bit less likely And not even all that Great of a deal for other people Given like all the ticking time bombs That are underneath the covers in that company right now um, you kind of poured cold water on the idea at the end And I agree that it's possible I just don't think it's very likely So I was, yeah. I was shaking my head But um, it was a fun discussion So I, uh, I definitely recommend people listen to it Miss Numer is a very funny dude <laughs> It's great <laughs> It was good times Good, good. times Yeah um, How is everybody doing today? Excellent Friday May the 8th be with you Something like that? Hmm. That's for Tim Dressen. Um, so, announcements. Announcements, announcements, announcements. We have announcements. Um, we are announcing an event known as the Vegas Internet Mafia Family Picnic, which will occur in October, the middle of October, slightly past the midpoint of October, um, the 16th. The seven- Ides th- of October? Yeah, is that right? I never really got my <laughs> –
1: yeah. Of October. That
0: sounds right. Dave, you know, yeah. you know things. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, sounds better. Yeah. We're probably not going to, like, murder anyone, but, um, oh. you know, the, we'll still live <laughs> in infamy or whatever. Yeah, sure. uh, now I'm lost, but uh, it's all good. Um, come with us to hang out. VIMF 2015, uh, October 16th, 17th, and 18th at the D Las Vegas. Um, we've got events all over the place We um, mm-hmm. it's going to be good times we uh, yes. have talked in vague terms about a new event coming on Sunday um, we will have our main event the preceding day, Saturday um, and we'll have some other events that have not yet been announced uh, throughout the weekend we did announce that the World Series of Satin Casino Jackets will return, though we have not yeah. yet given the details. Yeah, Dave, are you out there shopping for a, uh, a jacket to wear, or do you already have one? I, did, the, did the kind people at the Riviera hook you up with something <laughs> awesome? No. Ah, okay.
2: I'm, I'm hopefully judging again, so I wouldn't even be eligible to.
0: For judging. Uh, awesome. Well, see, there you go. Hot news awesome. right here. We have, uh, we're breaking news. Dave if will you be want judging. To.
1: Hunter, do you want to judge or do you want to participate? No,
0: nah, I want to judge. Good. I, I, I sit in judgment of others. Yes. Yeah, it's the way I roll. Um, cool. It's going to be super fun. I encourage everybody to go out to VegasInternetMafia.com to get all the details. Um, the best way to stay on top of all of the breaking news is uh, the at Vimp um, Twitter account. Though, you know, we're also announcing stuff. Uh, Chuck's been posting on VT and of course the Vegas internet mafia site's been updated and been trying to sync up some posts in the 500 group on Facebook as well. So, um, you'll find it in all manner of places, but the at Vimth Twitter account is probably where you want to go for like the up to the minute, um, most breaking news kind of type stuff.
1: We have many channels of distribution.
2: We do. <laughs> you should, you should,
1: uh, friend us on LinkedIn.
2: Yeah, yes. exactly. Yes. When yes. On pushing out pushing out content over multiple platforms. Yes, you
1: know and live, changing though? and changing the world. Yeah, yes. making the world yeah. a better place.
2: C- you're, exactly. curating. you're curating. <laughs> you're curating. Curating announcements you're across curated multiple a, platforms. Curated, yes, <laughs> <A> variety <laughs> of <laughs> unique experiences for our guests, special <laughs> surprises around every corner.
0: Is that that sounds like a job description.
2: It is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Curation. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, you know, someone's got to provide synergy, and it's not going to be yeah. here. <laughs> So that's Chuck's, Chuck's job is the synergistic coordinator. Yeah. <laughs> God. Uh, you know, honestly, I bet, like, if we were doing this at some, like, huge strip resort type people, they would try to get us to synergize the social media presence, which, you know, not so good at that.
2: No, and we would the thing the the buzz word that I'm kind of growing to dislike is activating an area. Oh wow! Oh, when this okay. area activates, in other words, when you open it up. But they say activate when this area activates. We'll have ba 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 ba. It's just kind of funny that's, when the buffet
0: that's... levels up. Yeah, seriously, it sounds like yeah. Why can't people just say what they mean?
2: Yeah, I don't know cause that would because it doesn't sound good. Yeah, it until you're be- the doing... one in front. Until you're the one in front of a bunch of people who need to sound impressive, then you'll see when this area activates. <laughs> <laughs> that I guess I don't know.
0: We'll see. I, you know, I'm. I just might. I may fall back on activation protocols in order to sound impressive. But we'll we'll never know. Yeah. All right. You guys are. <clears> um, yeah. today. We right? we, uh, <laughs> we <laughs> have things are things are great. Things are just great. Um. So yeah, that's Vimp. Uh. Come to VIMF in October, please. Uh, We've done it a few times now. It's been pretty awesome. Um, I can't think of anybody that's ever had a bad time. Um, At least if they did, they didn't have the balls to tell me about it. Um, (laughs) So I really hope you come and have a great time. It's been super fun. We get people that come really from all over the world, which is not an exaggeration, um, which is pretty amazing. But my favorite thing is to see people post and say that they have made their reservations and how much fun they had last time. Um, that's pretty awesome. So um, it's a big party, and it is a lot of fun. And uh, we'll talk more about specifics as we continue to get closer. I will say, uh, if you are a listener, um, and you've never been, and you think it sounds crazy, and you're worried about you know coming and not knowing anybody, um, we've had a lot of folks that have done exactly that. And I one of the things I love about this community so much is how open and welcoming they all are. Um, we've had people come knowing nobody, making friends and you know creating actually real friendships that have that have really lasted so that is uh, pretty amazing and awesome so if you do want to come and you're worried that you won't know anybody, um, we uh, you know try to do some icebreaker type events and get people um, get people socially lubricated but um, <laughs> Probably do something like that again. Uh, but it's super fun, so you should come.
1: You know, Hunter, and to, you should- to, to um. add to that point just for a second, I think VIMP was the first time that you and I had met, and Dave, all of us, for the first time. And it's this event has brought all of us together in its right. earliest, earliest incarnations. Yeah, it's, a me- it's a meeting of the minds. It is.
2: It, it is. is. I also want to throw in there, you could be the person this year to come up to me and... Say, hey, aren't you Hunter? Ah. Happens every year that happens. To say, no,
0: I'm Dave. My office is at the center near Denver. Oh. You, don't <laughs> yeah. you know me?
2: And I say, yes, I am. And where's that $100 that you sent
0: her?
2: <laughs> and then they usually go away. So
1: Nice. That yeah. explains That's, a lot. That was
2: me. Yeah, that was me. Explains <laughs> a lot.
1: You no, know he's Hunter by his Birkenstocks. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. <laughs>
0: oh, boy. Um, VegasInternetMafia.com at VIMF on Twitter. Please follow us. Uh, Oh, one more thing. Um, I did add a Facebook event for VIMF. Um, Cool. I've done this the last few years as well. Um, on on Facebook mostly just because a lot of people are on Facebook I know not everybody loves Facebook but it is pretty popular and they have the event tools just built in so we set that up it's a nice way for us to get like a general idea of how many people might be coming Um, it's not a requirement to gain attendance Um, so if you like uh, hate Facebook and don't have an account and are worried about that you shouldn't worry um, in that regard But if uh, if you do think you're going to go And you're on Facebook It would be nice if you would uh, Click the little button And um, let us know So that's helpful Yeah
1: um, Okie dokie you got to uh, send me the link link to that thing So I can put it on the
0: uh... Yeah, I will do that Yeah, I'm going to actually like ooh, uh, I'm going to write that down right now Vimf <laughs> Got it, okay
1: got L-I-N-Q it. Yeah, ooh, Ooh.
0: (laughs) that's some synergy right there, bitches. That's right. (laughs) All right. Um, so let's talk about some stuff. We've got all kinds of stuff to talk about. It's a big period time in Vegas land. Um, Let's start with uh, Win. Um. So, we talked last time about the proxy fight that Elaine Wynn was uh, engaging in in order to retain her seat on the board of directors. Um, they've since had their annual meeting, and she lost pretty handily. Um, so, you know, she is no longer a, a director of the company that she co-founded and that she owns a ton of shares in. Um what do you guys think about this? Uh, I guess, you know, last time around, we talked about whether or not we thought she would make it. And it was sort of, you know, she really pulled out all the stops. But um, it's, it, it seems like, you know, one of those things where she was sort of going up against the, the slate the company wanted. So she really had to kind of, I think, maybe overperform and over to make it work. But um, didn't end up happening. How do you guys feel about this? Chuck, how do you feel about Elaine um not being a part of the the company and any thoughts on impact?
1: I think this is really sad. It's a very sad situation, you know, she uh she was kind of the steadying force, the steadying hand. She even in her one of her press releases, she said, uh, "I know how to handle Steve Wynn,"
2: mm-hmm. meaning
1: she can talk his uh Eccentricity and impulsiveness maybe off from the ledge and give him more of a, a guiding light to go by you know? and she 's very responsible with with uh, design and whatnot. I know Steve Freese had tweeted that uh, at the the meeting like, Steve and Andrea were sitting together, and then in the other row it was Elaine and sitting with Roger Thomas so. She was much more kind of in tune with, with, with the people aspects, the employees, the, the design, the comfort. So who knows if we're going to see anything change. I hope if it does change, it changes for the better. But she was you know, a beating heart for, the, for what the company stood for.
0: Yeah. I think so. Dave, what do you think about, about this outcome? Was this what you expected? Uh, how, how do you, I mean, we've had Elaine Wynn uh, involved either as a, as a director or in, in, other, uh, in other positions with a major gaming operator for decades
2: now. It's a pretty big change. It is a really big change. Definitely, yes. And I don't know really what it's going to bring because we're, there's really no track record of Steve Wynn without Elaine. Next one. So I don't know what it's going to bring, but I just want to throw something in that I think you guys will find fascinating from the time that I spent with the Cass Business School MBA elective program, which was about, geez, was that just last week or two weeks ago? I don't know. I don't remember, but it just happened. And we had meetings with a lot of the executives, and we were talking with the folks at Win. We were talking to the GM of Win, and he was saying how Steve wanted to do the encore I'm botching the word, but basically the room refresh, last year. He wanted to do that last year, and they had to talk him down from that because he said, no, it's time to do it. And they said, but the rooms look great. They don't need it. And they were able to put him off for one year, but that was it. And he was saying the rooms still don't need it, but we're doing it anyway. And he was just really stressing Steve's role, how it really does come down to Steve's decision for a lot of the stuff. So that's kind of the way it's going to be. So it's very... Difficult to imagine the company without Steve, just to respond to to, uh, what we were talking about before. It's very difficult to imagine without him because so much of it comes directly from him. And it's not really a numbers and sense thing. And they do all kinds of analytics and stuff, and it's important. But at the end of the day, if Steve says the rooms need to be refreshed, I don't want to be behind the curve, the rooms get refreshed.
0: Right. I I didn't even realize this. um, Or, well, I think I knew this at one point but had forgotten That, you know, let's say that someone did come over, and I don't really want to get into a whole discussion about win takeovers, but um, let's say that someone did try to do that. The naming agreement that the company has with him only goes until 2017. So, like, as much as the brand means, if they were somehow taken over and he didn't love it and didn't want to renew the rights to license his name... That would be a pretty big blow to uh, to the org, I think. I think the brand is really important. Um, one of the things, though, um, that you guys did talk about on your podcast was this concept of sort of yes-men and the idea that, uh, especially when you become as successful as Steve Wynn has become, there are fewer and fewer people that can sort of speak truth to power, fewer people that are willing to call you on your bullshit for lack of a better term or at least even just even if it's not bullshit just engage you in a reasonable debate about things that may be questionable and I think Dave you touched on that with what you were saying but you know how common is this Uh, we have he's you know in a way I mean it's a public company but he's sort of an emperor of his company he can pretty much do what he wants as you said what he says goes of course that can be a powerful force but no one is perfect And, uh, you know, is it dangerous to have somebody in control of the company that there's really nobody that can stand up to him?
2: I think you need that because that's what makes Wynn different is that Wynn has, at least from the design perspective, it has a point of view, which you can't say at other properties. They don't have that editorial point of view, which sounds incredibly pretentious, but it's the most accurate way I can think of describing it. You know, you've got the whole team and without win I don't know what I don't know what would happen, so I think it's very important. I think that's what makes win win and not Caesars or MGM or even lVs I think it's it's Steve Wynn, and that is his control. what do you guys yeah. think
0: i I mean clearly a long record of success um, there are there's a lot of there there are a lot of recent decisions that I personally think uh, have changed the properties in ways that are less interesting and attractive to me um, for whatever that's worth maybe nothing um, but uh, I don't know I feel like I think maybe Dave you sort of nailed it when you said we don't have any track record of Steve without Elaine in a in a business sense i mean we've had the last couple years but it's it's very difficult to these things play out over long periods of time um so i think good or bad it'd be very difficult to to pass any judgment uh so far possibly um,
1: possibly you could measure up measure up the uh quarterly performance during the times they were divorced Hmm. yeah that would be interesting be interesting i think
0: i you know i feel like uh Everybody needs somebody that can bring them back to Earth every once in a while, even the, you know, most visionary leaders ever. Uh, You need somebody that can just pop that bubble every once in a while and say, yo, that's a stupid idea. Um, And it doesn't feel like, you know, he's got that. He's got all these smart people working for him. Um, No doubt about it. I mean, those people are, you know, some of the best people in in any business. But... um, It seems like without somebody that has just a ton of credibility that he can't fire um, to say, dude, you are on crack, um, you know, that's that's, uh, I think, unfortunate that that is no longer a thing.
2: I think it all goes back to Captain Picard and and (laughs) Tapestry. Remember the episode Tapestry where Captain Picard with Q said, hey, I wish I could go back in time and not get another fight with the Noss again and get stabbed through the heart. I need a new heart, and then I would, I wouldn't die on the operating table. And it turned out that he made that he he pulled that string, the tapestry, and the whole thing that changed the entire person he was. He ended up being some mediocre paper pusher down in astrometrics or stellar cartography or something. So that's not you know it's like you take you try to rein Stephen in one way, and I think you lose all the magic of what he's what he's about. I don't know. So I, you know, you got to kind of take the good with the bad. I guess, and the, here's some interesting stuff. So, some decisions people might, like our listeners, might question. So, somebody was talking about the closure of Alex and what the deal with that was, and apparently, that was basically losing money. And they said, "We don't want to do this to lose money." And they're saying, "Well, yeah, but couldn't he have just taken the money to, that he spent on the Popeye and kept Alex open?" And it turns out, well, you know, like all art, that's kind of more of an investment, and that's actually going to gain in value. So it's not just for some frivolous purpose. And while it's gaining in value, it's kind of, I don't want to say the centerpiece, but it's got a big place in one of his casinos. So it's kind of, its maybe what I'm trying to say in a very dumb way is that the decisions that might not seem to be great decisions to us might actually make sense if we know what they're looking at and how they're looking at them.
0: I think context is incredibly important, and we often don't have it from the outside. And I can understand if uh, part of the business is losing money, and they don't want to op- operate something at a loss. Like I get it; that's that makes perfect sense. Something like that, you know, that make I can totally buy that, even if it's yeah. a, a sad outcome. The things that I think maybe I the sort of overhanging vibe that bums me out more than anything is a, a, what what I perceive. As a less of an emphasis on like this ultimate superior customer service and guest quality culture, especially at Encore, in favor of like really pushing nightlife, which feels like a very dollars and cents kind of decision. But you know, it's something they're screwing up something that they're screwing with, at least you can argue Mm -hmm. they're screwing it up, screwing with something that was like I really enjoyed. So they're changing it in a way I don't like. So I'm going to say I don't like it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's what kind of bugs me about it. Absolutely. Um, one of the things – Steve has been on uh, this, this uh, P- PR tour. Um, he was on Charlie Rose, which we talked about last time. But he was on John and I didn't even know he still had a show. Um but he does apparently on uh, PBS there. Um, and he had Steve Wynn on, and it was interesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> Steve seemed like it was clear that they had sort of like set terms ahead of the interview, <laughs> and he like wanted to talk about X. And Ralston was like, I want to talk about X plus, you know, Y. Yeah. And he kind of like got into the um, the Wynn earnings call because Wynn had some really ugly numbers, uh, as maybe, you know, we, we all could expect. But, you know, they had their earnings call, and Um, Steve did not go out of his way to uh, sort of make anybody feel better in the earnings call. He basically said, like, we don't know what's going to happen. Like, we're battening down the hatches and we're going to ride this out. (laughs) Um, And it, it, you know, really impacted the stock. It had a huge dip that day or the next day. And... um, Basically, it was a, a confidence thing. And so Ralston got into that with him. Um, but l- one of the interesting takeaways, other than, like, his strange sort of Steve Wynn for president thing he's got going on with, like, the economic <laughs> plan that is, like, kind of yeah. bananas. He's putting um, his
1: platform together. It
0: That's really, it's really <laughs> weird. I don't know why he keeps pushing that. Uh, but... Um, The other thing that was really interesting was he talked about the possibility of maybe building in Las Vegas, which is like, what? (laughs) Because, you know, he's been pouring cold water on that idea for a long time, sort of pouring cold water on on Vegas in general as a place to do business, or the United States at least. Um, But he kind of said, like, maybe I'd do it. And he kind of – he moved off that topic pretty quickly. Um, wanted to talk about important things uh, but um, it was kind of interesting I, what do you think, what do you guys make of that? is that real, is that him just reacting kind of to an off the cuff question he didn't really consider um, I mean, I, I don't really know what to make of it whether it's like him saying I might do it someday, like never say never or is it like I'm thinking about it seriously or is it my neighbors are all building and I want to you know, sort of flex my muscles and remind people that I'm the, the top dog
1: it's fascinating the way he answered that question, because he was like, the question was, uh, would you consider building in Las Vegas? He said, yeah, I would consider. In fact, I may already be doing that. Mm-hmm. Now, what exactly that means is open to a huge amount of interpretation. Right. He may exactly be doing that. That could be, you know, he's got De Reuter in the office drawing up parcels for... You know, either the backyard, or some other things he doesn't own, or he's making negotiations about things, or what? Who knows? You know, but if you look at the map, there aren't really a hell of a lot of opportunities out there unless he buys the Fontainebleau. Really, that's like the most obvious one, or Circus Circus, or the Rock and Rio parcel. But I don't think locationally any of those would be particularly interesting for him. Or... I don't know. It doesn't make sense. I think it's all a threat. He, was, he wants to get in the game too. He sees the other people. He sees uh, James Packer and KT Lim and Andrew Pascal getting in the business and starting to build and develop stuff. It's got to give him an itch when he sees the cranes coming, right. and stuff happening around him. He's got to be like, yeah, I like doing that.
0: Yeah, and he's now a that, developer above all things, right?
1: Now that the the palace is going skyward with Curtain Glass and everything else, you know, Everett, yeah, that's far away. He wants something close.
0: Yeah. It felt to me like it was more of a similar, like he he was just trying to, I mean, he, he was yeah. basically trying to say like, hey, you know, me like, too. I'll do what I want. And if I want to do it, I'll do it. It'll be fucking awesome. Um basically you know sort of solidifying his position but it was really int- it was an interesting response um, And he kind of then tried to move on as quickly as possible uh, didn't really want to talk about that kind of stuff but it was interesting Dave can, can you imagine room for another Steve Wynn resort on the strip at this point in time
2: I can if only because just like you guys said the man is a builder he builds he's going to be done designing palace and he's going to be done designing Everett and then what's he going to do Right. certainly he's certainly not going to take it easy, so it's uh I think that's where else can he build? you know he's not going to build anything else in Macau with the situation being what it is Japan isn't is happening isn't happening is you know that's not that's not happening right now, so what other market is there for him to build in that has any chance of actually happening you know maybe you know something happens in Florida or Texas. Don't know. Don't know where else he would build. Europe, maybe? Right. Somewhere. Yeah. It's going to be somewhere.
0: I mean, they're I think always, we, Sorry, go ahead.
2: Yeah, I mean, they're always doing development plans for all ty- kinds of stuff that never happens. So right. I'd love to find out what they're, what they're sketching right now.
0: I feel, I mean, I feel like we've always felt like uh, another resort in Las Vegas was inevitable. It's just a question of when. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, because they have a lot of their own land, the golf course, uh, and they... You know, obviously, originally it talked about developing it when, when things were still on the rocket ship. Um, but it was interesting to hear him uh, bring that out as a possibility. Uh, I'm sure it would be a very exciting thing for a great many people to uh, have them building something here in our backyard once again.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, <clears throat> no thoughts about where? Where would he do it at Vegas?
0: I mean the obvious answer would be land he owns which he's got a bunch of it that's not developed right I mean he doesn't have to mm-hmm. go buy it from anybody <laughs> so that would make them that I think that would be the obvious idea if he had a concept and thought he could you know grow the market with something new he would develop land that he owns um if for some reason he didn't want to do that or uh just got such a great deal on some other parcel I mean the Font blue is like Someone's going to buy it at some point and do something with it. And I assume that means tear it down and build something else. But um, it seems like that's uh, – it's sort of inevitable that that will come to be. And, who you know, with Resorts World and Elanio, Il- whatever it's called this week, um, the neighborhood may significantly transform. So, you know, it could end up being uh, – it, it could end up being a sweet thing. I mean, you remember when he bought the Desert Inn, it was, you know, not the – best neighborhood in the world and look <laughs> look what happened. I mean, they transformed it and it was like, looking backwards now, it's like amazing how little he paid for it so um, it's it, it could be one of those deals I don't know, I'd love to see it, I hope he does um, Alright, we've talked about uh, win versus win for quite a while I think we can let that one sit for a little bit um, What I definitely want to talk to the sort of the uh, the centerpiece of our show today is the closing of the Riviera, and most specifically, centering around an article that Dave wrote for Vegas Seven, um, which I highly recommend if you haven't read it. It's uh, it's really good. But um, I'll Dave, I'll let you I'll let you kick this off and tell us, you know, wh- what's the angle on your piece, and um, what did you learn when you were putting it together.
2: Well, the angle in the piece was to take a look at the Riviera through history, but also through the eyes of the people who were there, the employees, and try to figure out just what this all means for those people, for Vegas, and for all of us, whether are in Vegas or not. And what really struck me was that the Riviera wasn't about the buildings. It was really about the people. And I know just looking at the TripAdvisor, reviews. A lot of people like to take shots of the place, and maybe deservedly so, but it's hard to convey just how important that place was for the people who work there. I mean, it really was a second home, and it was a family for those people, so that's what I hope to get across, is that, you know, yeah, everybody's, even the places that people make jokes about and that kind of stuff, they're very important for a lot of people, and yeah. The people, the children, and grandchildren of that place helped to put through school. Very important.
0: I think uh, there's a couple different things I wanted to pick out, which was um, yeah. So you, you definitely stressed that, that aspect of it, which was you know, there's more to it than. Um, than just the the building, do you feel like that 's unique to the Riviera as you 've been talking to these people I and mean, we 've seen a bunch of places close and obviously <coughs> closings in the past. Is that something that was somehow unique to the Riviera due to whatever circumstances or is that is that something that is uh, a commonality across all these places that we you know it 's easy for us to miss as we you know go about our daily lives
2: I think it 's for all those places. I think anytime you have thousands of people getting together in one place day after day after day they're going to develop some attachments to the place. And, you know, that's kind of, I, I, in this piece, I kind of ch- channel a lot of what was going through my mind when it looked like the Taj was going to close and how that made me feel, you know, knowing that a lot of the people I'd worked with were still there and what they are going to be facing and just having worked there for three years and thinking this place is always going to be here no matter what. Right. It's kind of, it's very, just very, very unsettling. You know when you have, and just that was kind of how I grew up thinking. Well, those casinos are always going to be there, and then bang, you know, four of them close in my hometown, and you know now Riviera's gone, and they're they're not going to replace it with another casino. So that it just kind of made me think a lot. You know, what do we really have that we can rely on? I don't know.
0: And I mean, Riviera, I, I you know was not that familiar with the history beyond sort of the the biggest points, you know, first high rise, et cetera. But I didn't realize how many times it was so close to death. Um, and I, one of the things I, I – I maybe it, it's – maybe enjoy is the wrong word because we're talking about people losing their jobs. But the way you depicted the fact – how people – they didn't believe it. They're like, oh, we all these rumors, but like this happens yeah. all the time. We always pull through. Uh, that really stuck with me after reading it.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's true. And again, as somebody who worked for Donald Trump, I don't know how many times his casinos were bankrupt. And now one of them was sold and one of them is closed. And that's it's really weird. So, yeah, you know, you think because it should be that, yeah, it's always going to be worth it to keep the place open because it's going to make more money. But when somebody's willing to pay one hundred and eighty million dollars to just tear down and build something that's not even a casino, you can see the economics have shifted. Right. And that's also what was, you know, there's nothing that nobody could have done. If you wanted to create an alternate history, I don't know what the point of divergence would have to be to change what happened. You know, you can't point to one decision the management made and said this was bad. Yeah, maybe if that late 80s, 4,500 room expansion had gone through, things would have been different. And that would have been like the MGM Grand at that end of the strip. You know, maybe if they'd have been able to pull that off, that would have, you know, that would have changed things. But it's it's hard to say.
0: Yeah, can you imagine if that place was you know more than two times as big?
2: Yeah, it would be weird. And uh, you know, I should probably I should probably scan it in and post it. I've uh, the, we've got a rendering in the clippings files at, at special collections. It's kind of if they just kind of put a huge tower next to the existing towers. Yeah, kind of a little bit to the north. So it's kind of weird. It would definitely change the look of the strip.
0: Yeah. Yeah. One one of the things, one of the other things that really stuck out to me was sort of the dichotomy that you see, like, uh, the place is open and nobody knows it's going to, it's in it's serious trouble, are going to close, and people are, you know, writing online reviews, and, you know, I maybe, one of the, I mean, I've never stayed there, but I, in any other place, I could have been just as guilty of this, like, oh, this place sucks, like, what is wrong with these people, like, it's just gross, and then, you know, it's announced that it's closing, and people are like, "Oh no! Like, how could you close this place? is awesome!" <laughs> and we see this again and again. Like, what is that all
2: about? It's funny, you know. Like, one review literally went from—you just go on TripAdvisor and look at the Riviera reviews. Like, it literally switched from talking about the blood on the duvet and all this other stuff to just waxing nostalgic. Like, oh, it's great. <laughs> or maybe, well, I don't know. I might be—I might be getting two reviews mixed up. But one of them, I remember, said like, "Oh yeah, it sucked." The restaurants were ghetto and I can't believe it's gone. Like, oh, it's you know, it's so terrible. It's so it's so weird. It's like, well, yeah. And it's it's really funny. The people bemoaning it, like, oh no, keep it open. Were you gonna stay there? No. Well then why should we keep it open? You know, it's just that nobody cared enough to keep it going. What so do you think? Yeah, sorry, sorry, go ahead. I guess it's just kinda of like hipsterism. Like yeah. it's if people, you know, when it's open. Then they're just a bunch of people not reinvesting in the rooms and trying to rip you off and all this other stuff. And then as soon as they announce a closing, it's some kind of glorious lost cause. And, yeah. you know, yeah, I wouldn't mind paying all that money to stay there and not get a great room because it's history. But obviously that history wasn't valued before.
0: I I just think it's fascinating because you see that all the time, right? That's not unique yeah. to, to the Riviera. It's super oh. common, Um, people, you know, are really fast to criticize and then, uh, they, uh, something like this happens and they're like, Oh, that place was incredible. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, we all Chuck, you know, you run a website that accepts reviews from people. I've done that for a long time. Like there's all forms of internet comments and other media (laughs) conversations we've facilitated. I, I just, I wonder what it says about us as humans and like the, just it's, it's kind of ridiculous and crazy and totally predictable all at the same time.
2: And it's kind of not, I think I got this line in the article, it's kind of not accepting the balancing half of the equation. Like, okay, well if I want history and cheap stuff, then I'm going to get lesser quality rooms and probably not as quick service. So it's kind of, you know, you can't really have everything. If you want things shiny and new, then they're going to be shiny and new. And, you know, unless it's like House of Blues and you kind of fake that look with the Antique floorboards or whatever, which is <laughs> inauthentic. Don't, uh, don't ask me that, why that popped into my head, but you know what I mean. You know, unless you're going to really fake it, which to me is more offensive. I'd rather have a shiny, new-looking place than a fake antique-looking place. You know, you, you're gonna—it's going to be kind of funky, and you have to like it. You want—you want to have that?
1: Do you guys yeah. know what the acreage is at the at uh, Riviera? I think it's offhand. twenty.
2: I think it's twenty six. Twenty six. Is it they paid I wrote a while back? I think I had. I said it was twenty two when I was going by the opening acreage, but I think it's twenty six now. But I could be wrong. And they paid.
1: Just the they paid what? One ninety for it?
2: One eighty, I think. One eighty.
1: So yeah, yeah. The, the Fontainebleau fountain blue is uh twenty four point five, and Icon paid one ninety for that. Okay. So that means property values haven't really gone up. Hmm. Just yeah, in terms of land, right? Equal size, equal yeah. price. 26.36 acres.
2: Okay. So, yeah. I got like $8.1 million per acre.
1: I don't know. I don't have Unless a calculator. I did that wrong. I'm trying to do it in my head. I do. <laughs>
0: Dave, is your mic, mic touching your face
1: by any chance? No, it's because it sound like big, it is. Yeah. He's got a big puffy beard. Okay. I don't sounds anymore. Like, I, I trimmed oh, a lot of it off. Now is that's that better. better now? Yep, yep, okay. yep, yep.
2: I don't want to offend anybody. Wait, hold on. What's Sorry. That? <laughs> that? was me trying to not offend people. It was not my face. <laughs> it was that the cord was rubbing up against it. Oh, um, yeah. There we go. So I get like about $7 million an acre for both of those or for the first and what was the acreage of uh
1: 20 of, uh,
2: of, of fountain blue
1: fountain blue is 24.5
2: and it's one, well, one i'm sure nine. this is this is really thrilling for the listeners uh, listening to yeah. people do do this they are all I'll, sitting around. The I'll edit this to make they it all
0: less less bad
2: 7. Point, i get 7.75
1: so not much of a difference. Yeah,
2: not much of a difference at all.
1: One thing that, uh, in Dave, in your article, I, I, f- I found particularly fascinating. I'm just going to read the quote of this. Uh, Las Vegas, choreographer Jeff Kutash understands, can survive and grow by throwing everything out and building again from the kernel of that idea. People visit Las Vegas to have fun and do and see things they can't at home. When I read that, I immediately thought of SLS, because their market was Californians, Los Angelenos, so they filled their property with all these things that people in Los Angeles would already be able to get at home. hmm Didn't work out. No. Doesn't seem to be.
2: Yeah. That makes sense, though, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, and I guess that explains why. Yeah, yeah,
2: that explains why he's had a very successful thirty-year or so career in Vegas. He knows what he knew. He knew exactly what he was doing.
1: Why would they have such divergent opinions? Why would one guy say everybody comes to Vegas they're going to want to see all the stuff that they already have at home? And why would someone think exactly the opposite?
2: Well, because people do want to do at some level stuff that they've done, you know, that's why, I know we've talked about this before, that's why I've got Outback and Chili's and all that other stuff there, but they, yeah, I get the feeling they don't come to Vegas to do that. So you need something that they would come to Vegas to do, and I, it's okay to have the comfort food or whatever as the fallback, but you don't want that to be the main attraction.
0: I also think people are very ignorant of history. Yeah. and we We see people make the same mistakes that others have made before, um, for all kinds of reasons. They, you know, either haven't done the research or they think that they can pull it off, and they think that someone else failed for reasons that you know they're able to mitigate. And it turns out that's not the case. So, can places like the Riviera? When, or maybe that's a bad example since it's closed, but we have a lot of other casinos in Las Vegas and different parts of the on the Strip. You know, not that many these days. Most of it's been redeveloped, but there's still Circus Circus and some stuff at the end and Tropicana, which we'll talk about more in a bit, and stuff downtown um, that are older places that, uh, you know, in some cases have done some refurbishment, but um, in a lot of other cases offer, you know, sort of more value, lower prices, But it sounds like at least a significant number of consumers don't recognize that there are trade-offs that are to be made. I mean, what does this portend for uh, future future property closings, if any? Is is there any line that we need to trace through this stuff?
2: Really not sure, because one way to go is the flamingo way, where it's totally unrecognizable – And it's so funny because talking to people in Vegas, and these are people who live in Vegas, people in the Vegas media, they're like, well, yeah, I guess that means the Tropicana and Circus Circus are the last two remaining of the real old school places. (laughs) And it's funny because they always skip over Flamingo and Caesars, which are so historic. Right. Because they're not in the public mind as being relics of the past. They're still, they've both been reinvented in ways that are more contemporary. So it's really interesting. So I guess the key is to have them not think of you as an old tired property, which is was the point of the big Tropicana renovation a couple of years back, which I guess hasn't totally taken yet. But I think they're on that going down that path.
0: I I look at the riv and you know that and you spoke to this a little bit in your piece and, and gave some It reminded me sort of when it occurred, but, you know, they they changed the facade of the building um, along with the splash show. And, you know, looking at the um, some of the aerial photos that I have been checking out as part of uh, looking at this, doing this piece, like there's I was looking at Vegas Today and Tomorrow, which used to be a great site. It's no longer updated, but had a ton of great info. Um but there's a photo there when you look at the Riviera page where you can clearly see like the older building which looks super classic which totally reminds me of the movie Casino which used the Riviera in a lot of different shots um as they could hide certain things but then there's that I think kind of super ugly splash thing tacked to the front with the mirrored glass and like I love neon but I I don't know it just doesn't work for me it looks like a ugly billboard uh, I just I wonder uh, not that any single design element uh, will, uh, you know, <laughs> cause cause somebody to to say open or, or to close, but I I wonder if some of that stuff it it um, I'm sure it made sense at the time, but it doesn't. It's it's sort of straddling this weird line between attempting to be new, though it looks that part looks pretty dated now, um, and it's sort of classic, you know, the 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 towers and 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 that bit still have the real classic look. I don't know. It, it feels like it's sort of in two worlds, but isn't really committed to either one.
2: Yeah, it kind of gave me the vibe of an 80s mall, like yeah. uh, Spaceport or something like that. So <laughs> And if Charles remembers Spaceport, right? That was a, yeah, it was like what they, uh, the arcade chain called Spaceport. So it kind of gives me that vibe where it's kind of... Was supposed to be new-looking then, but yeah, it's not really vintage the way that the Stardust was. Right. So it's kind of weird. So it kind of wasn't really new, but wasn't as old.
0: Yeah. And it it just—it I don't know. At least for me, it—it didn't feel like it pulled off. Like there, you can go retro and have that be a vibe that is really interesting. And inside, it was much more so. At least in certain parts that hadn't been neglected for forever. But the outside, I don't know. It never it never really felt right to me. I mean, I'm sort of on a tangent here, but I'm just looking at this photo and riffing. Yeah.
1: Does the, does the end of the Riviera change, accelerate, decelerate, or adjust the future of Circus Circus?
0: Well, what is Circus's status? Like... The last time I looked at MGM's financials in any depth, and it's been a while, so it seemed like they were,
1: at least as much as they were breaking that out, still making money. Yeah. But it's still not part of M-Life. It's kind of a bastard stepchild. Right. In the same way that uh, Bill's was. you know, It was never part of Total Rewards Forever. It had its own club. It was, it was there basically biding its time. Do you see MGM knocking that thing down or would they sell
2: it are they going to get four billion dollars to redevelop it and if they do is it really do they really need that would they need that much more supply i don't know i don't think i i could not make that case to the board saying yeah we should shut this down which is producing cash not a lot but it is producing cash it is giving us this part of the market, which we don't really have anyplace else. Let's shut this down and spend $4 billion to build something new that's going to compete with what we already have. Now, they already have about 4,000 rooms at Bellagio, another 4,000 at Aria. Yeah. And then, so is it going to compete with them? Is it going to compete at the MGM level? Where they've got 5,000 rooms and Monte Carlo, another 3,000 rooms. So that's another 8,000 rooms. So, where's it going to, you know, where does it slot if they close it? I don't know. I don't, it wouldn't make sense to me.
1: No. Would it make well, more sense for them just to unload it, just sell it? It might. It depends on what they could get for it,
0: right? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, if the neighborhood improves, um, if Resorts World opens and is a big success, you know, then the value of that land is going to go up. And MGM has, still has a lot of debt. They've been paying it down, but they still have more than they'd like. And they have a lot, you know. They that company is so dependent on Las Vegas, it might make sense for them to to uh, to sell it. I guess they also would have to consider strategically who's buying it and what they're going to build. You know, if they're if they're going to sell it to somebody who's going to build a competitor to Bellagio and you know put a big dent in their top earner, that would probably not be a super great idea either. You know, there's a lot of moving parts there, though. I don't know. I I feel like circus stays static for a while. I don't. It, it it's as long as it's got positive cash flow. They don't. They're not forced to make a decision. Um, I mean, I guess if somebody came along with some mondo offer for the land, they would yeah. have to seriously consider it. But, Should we get
1: out the calculator? What's the what's the acreage, Dave? I know you know huh. that. Uh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. If I was if I was running the company or just advising the company, knowing what I know. And obviously, not knowing what I don't know, but just knowing that, why? You've got, got room product at every other point of the spectrum. Why do you want to compete with that? And I forgot all about the Mandalay mile, too. So they, they'd be, if they bump up, they're competing with that, too. So why do you want to do that? You know, if, you can, if the market totally, especially with what they've been investing... So, if the market totally turns around and you could turn that into another Mandalay Bay type thing and then figure you're going to develop another resort on the Rock and Rio stuff, great. You know, if you want to develop some of the more lower density areas like Circus Circus Manor, maybe that works. But for now, I don't see that they need the rooms.
0: Yeah. I, I, I see, it seems like, uh, they're in a spot where they can kind of just hang out and see what happens. Yeah, nothing's going to happen. Well, I wait at least if nothing else, wait for it to appreciate, right? I mean, it, they—it's now a big question mark. What's going to happen in their neighborhood? But if it goes gangbusters, then that land could be worth a lot more in a few years. So why not hang on to it and see see what happens? Hello.
2: Yeah. Hello. I think so,
0: um. Okay. <laughs> Riviera, uh, Dave, I will link up your article in the notes for sure. It's a a good read. Um, Definitely recommend it. Anything else that you'd like to say about the Riviera before we move on?
2: No, I think I said a all on the article. And I just want to thank everyone at Vegas 7 who helped me with that. Uh, My editor, Greg uh, Blake Miller, and Matt Jacobs and the art folks who did a great job. Excellent.
0: Very good. Cool. Well, we'll link to that and definitely check it out. Uh, moving down the strip to another property that has been around for a while, um, the Tropicana has been sold. So uh, this was one of those things for me, at least, where uh, I was not expecting it, but also completely not surprised. Um, the owner, or sorry, the um, the purchaser is Penn National Gaming, who entered the Las Vegas market with the M Resort a few years ago. Uh, purchasing that and they've made it very clear that they wanted to try and expand and get a presence on the strip they've talked about this in the past so looking at it from that perspective it's like oh okay got it makes sense Um, but you know i didn't really realize the Tropicana was being shopped uh so it sort of happened under the radar um what do we think about this the Tropicana has been such an interesting story right i mean you go sort of rewind back to the aztar kind of meltdown like that was just the ultimate drama and you look at how much money got sunk into the whole columbia sussex thing and it was just i mean it's unbelievable the amount that that property sort of maybe depreciated is the wrong word but just the value what that thing was worth went is like a, a crazy you look at a chart over the past decade or so it's just it's insane um and so, you know, now we've got the Penn National folks coming in. I, I I haven't heard much about what they've done at M. I mean, I I know that they kept a big chunk of existing management. My impression is that people haven't noticed a huge change if if you guys have heard different, please please speak up, but I, I haven't heard anybody saying, Oh, they totally ruined this or like, oh, this is so different or it seems like it's kinda like business as usual. I don't mean that in a negative way, but just they kinda bought the place and that things they were doing some things that were working and they're keep they're doing those things. I'm sure they've made some changes, but um it'll be fascinating to see what they do at the trap. Uh what what do you think about this? Chuck, were you surprised to see this go through?
1: I have exactly the same opinion that that you expressed as uh Surprised, but not surprised at the same point. Uh, it seems like you know. Well, you made all the good points. Uh, it's amazing that that property and all of the Tropicana holdings, which included uh, the joint in Atlantic City and a couple of joints in Laughlin, etc. You know that was a there was a huge bidding war over that property, and it went up to like two, three billion dollars at one point, right? It's and, insane. And Pinnacle walked away with a. Uh, an agreement was – you don't break the agreement or something and they get paid no matter what if right. either side breaks the agreement. They got – I think they walked away with more money than Penn National paid for the Tropicana now. Three hundred
0: uh, so – I okay. think it was uh, – yeah, I think it was about –
1: lo- I'm looking at
0: Wikipedia. So Columbia Sussex paid a $313 million breakup fee in case the deal fell through. Yeah. Seven
1: seventy eight of that went to Pinnacle. Okay, so it was three. It was so the breakup fee was worth about as much as the Tropicana. They paid three sixty yeah. for it. Yeah. So you know, pretty amazing that whole deal. Uh, yeah. You know, Alex Yemenigi and the Onyx folks. I think they gave it their best shot. They totally transformed the property. You got to be honest here. And that place was a shithole. It was bad news, dangerous. Everything was broke. The employees didn't care. Uh, they gave the thing a massive coat of white paint. Some folks don't like the white tower. I think it's spectacular. It makes it look like it's kind of half invisible. Uh, they changed the service model. They changed everything, really. They they, they did a remarkable transformation of, of, of the, the product. Whether or not you like it is another story. They were never able to get the the nightclub stuff happening. The dining has always been a little head-scratching. They couldn't keep entertainment in there. You know, a New Blood might, in a steadier hand, uh, a bigger company with a little less leverage pens pretty stingy on spending cash, but uh, that's because they're cautious. They might be able to couple that with a Rolodex and bring in a lot of folks, you know? So I'm optimistic that this is going to build on what's already been built upon I think it's interesting
0: uh, as you said the the folks the onyx folks and Alex have um, have really done well not all of the different things they've tried have been successful um, they've the transformation it's been through has been nothing short of amazing um, I mean it really was dingy and pretty gross and you know now it's uh, it definitely is a as a competitor in a certain market segment for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't know, Dave, what do you think? Was this a surprise to you? Did you see this one coming? Were we uh, all sitting with our blinders on?
2: No, and also I've got to say I've got an article coming about the, out about this next week in Vegas 7 where I kind of hit on some of the points you'd hit on, uh, but arrived at independently. But you know, uh, Penn uh, National uh, has been interested in the Strip for like eight years yeah. yeah, you know, remember they were going to buy the Rio, they were going to buy the Cosmopolitan, they were going to buy the Mirage, they were going to buy the Bellagio at one point. Remember that, yep. or did I? Yep, I remember that. that. Yeah. So they did you just...
1: did you say Fontainebleau too? They also kicked that. Yeah.
2: yeah. So you know they they've been around forever. So they did finally pull the trigger on something, and it's probably a good fit for them because it's not a huge property. Like you guys have said, they will be able to use our network and bring people in there and incent people to go to Vegas. And this makes them, you know, does this make them part of the Big Five instead of the Big Four in the Strip? I don't know. But it's definitely getting in there. And then the question is, what happens with the Caesars restructuring? Does some of their stuff start to flip? So does maybe it become Tropicana and Planet Hollywood or Tropicana and Rio or something like that? Don't know, but it could happen.
0: What do you guys think... You know, the Tropicana had announced a pretty significant retail component that was going to sit on the strip there on the corner of, of Tropicana and Las Vegas Boulevard. Um, that has not even begun being constructed as far as I know. Is that dead? Is that, I mean, it, one of that, that was one of those announcements that was followed by a lot of silence. It wasn't clear if they couldn't do the leases that they needed to get the financing or get the right tenants. Um, do you think that's going to happen?
2: I think something's going to happen, you know. I would guess that you don't pay that money and buy a place and then not put your own idea in. So yeah. I think it'll be something. Don't know if it'll be what they had planned. Right.
0: It'll it'll be interesting to see what, if anything, changes because of this whole uh, this whole acquisition. But I, you know, I I don't. My impression again is sort of like the the pen folks have have been good stewards at uh, at M Resort. So there's no reason to give them anything but the benefit of the doubt and assume that they'll continue that strategy here, you know, keep the things that are working and I'm sure change things that aren't. One of the interesting things about Tropicana has been this, uh, you know, they've got this amazing pool, uh, but this sort of multiple failed attempts at day club situation there, right? I mean, Chuck, do you even remember
1: all the different variations of the things that have gone in there? Oh boy, let's see. There was... Uh... Uh, Nikki Beach was number one, yeah, right? Yeah. Number two was the th- 360. Something was it? The three RPM, RPM, RPM and then Bagatelle, right? A club, and that was that was it.
0: Yeah, but th- I mean, then they of, gave up. None of those things have uh, have caught fire. No, and yeah. I, you know I. I, it it'll be interesting to see if if they go for you know take six or if uh it'll be that'd be a great name if they want to use that take yep. six yeah um or if uh you know they, like, <laughs> they keep the pool area as it is which is like this really great amenity um make it you know one of the reasons that you want to stay there not so much something that you have to you know pay ten thousand dollars to get uh, a thimble full of vodka to hang out at
2: yeah. See, I would I would position the property that way and I would make it, you know, keeping in mind that you have a database full of customers at regional casinos, who's going yeah. to regional casinos, it's probably the older customers. Make it the last bastion of that kind of Vegas where you're not gonna get the oonts and all that stuff. And just a clean, nice property with a couple of decent places to eat and no nightclub.
0: Yeah. yeah. Right. I I know everybody wants to try and dip into the the massive profits that the nightclubs offer, but man, it would be, I don't know. I hear this all the time, and I'm sure the people that run these places um, have thought about this, and maybe it doesn't make any sense financially, but I hear this over and over and over again. People in a slightly older age demo, maybe like 30 to 50, want a place to hang out at night that is not a nightclub. At least not the traditional Hakkasan mold nightclub. And there's not a lot of offerings anymore. You used to send them to places like Fontana at Bellagia, but that's gone. Yes. Um, Wayne has a couple of bars that sometimes do you know, piano and that kind of thing, but they're, they're few and far between. Um, it feels like that is a segment of the market that's being ignored.
2: Yeah, you know, so I'm thinking if you were, were going to meet someone for drinks in Vegas, where would you go? Maybe Mandarin Oriental. Yeah. Maybe um, East Side Lounge at Wynn. Right. Oh, no. But yeah, I mean, you could kind of just use a nice place to meet people for drinks that isn't quite at that level.
0: Right. Where right.
2: We want to meet people for drinks, but we don't want that to be kind of, we don't necessarily want to pay a ton of money for drinks.
0: I don't know. It, maybe the numbers don't make any sense, but I, I hear this complaint a lot, and it feels like there's a big chunk of people that uh, that don't feel like they have a place that they can go. So who knows? Um, well, cool. We'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, I assume since they're already done all the licensing stuff, that they, uh, other than you know any kind of financing foibles, they'll probably be in good shape, and this will sail through. Um, but uh, should be interesting to see what they do down there. All righty, let's see. Um, big news um, this week uh, with Resorts World. Or when was that? Was that this week? I can't remember. I've lost yeah, all track of time. Okay. They have broken ground. So Resorts World, of course, um, is going to be taking shape at the Stardust slash Echelon site. Um, they had their big groundbreaking ceremony. And they also... Uh, introduce some new renderings, Chuck. You've been following renderings on Resorts World from the very beginning. What has changed?
1: Well, they kind of sliced the whole resort directly in half, right down the middle of the pool deck. They cut it in half, and the, the south side is now become a uh, an amphitheater and uh, some some doors to get in, and the left side is. Uh, a ginormous pool deck with a little Lincoln Center thing in the front and some Asianate decor and shopping areas uh the the back of the tower was kind of interesting, a little looking at that, and uh, they appear to have split the thing into three three pieces, which I was reminded by uh by v t s John that uh this is how the echelon was, is they had a, f- the, the tower that's facing the Strip is a standard hotel room tower. It's a three-slice, three three-legged, sort of a three-legged, a tri-wing, but not really. Right. And then And the curve in the back is all suites, which they're calling the Genting Grand. And then there's another tower, a very short spine, but thick. shoots north, which is going to be another, which was supposed to be the Shangri-La originally at Echelon. So it appears based on these renderings that this thing is kind of, that's how this thing is happening. So they have silly little signs on the top of each of these. One says hotel, (laughs) one says (laughs) Genting Grand, and then the other one says hotel. I imagine all that will go away. That won't be there. This is just an illustration so people who don't know know. Uh, The inside of the casino has got this bright, gold, red, psychedelic, uh, art deco, freak out, you know, thing, plasma, blood plasma deal. And it looks fantastic. I'm really, really excited for how this thing is going to look when it's done. Very excited. Do you remember um,
0: when the Desert Inn had not yet been imploded – um, they filmed uh, Rush Hour 2, I think, there. And they made the fake casino Red Dragon. And the, I don't know if you saw that movie. It was pretty terrible. No, but no, no. I watched it to see that. They they dressed the building as a fake casino. They painted the part of it red. and Because um, Brett Ratner mm-hmm. and Steve Wynn are like good buddies. Um, and it reminded me sort of of these interiors. I mean, like, it was heavily, you know, they, it was Hollywood over the top kind of Chinese casino interior. But it um, yeah. reminds me of some of this stuff. That uh, we see in some of these renderings, um, the question one of the questions I have is, you know they they keep calling this a four billion dollar project. Is that both phases? like is that cheating or is that the first phase? Like clearly they've they've staged this so that they can spread their investment, make sure it's going to work. Is that four
1: billion number, which is quite large? Is that phase one or is that both phases combined? It's got to be phase one. It's got to be phase one. That parcel is huge. It is massive. You know, the scale there is incredible. Uh, there's no way that that's going to be $4 billion to cover that whole thing with two ginormous towers. No way. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I'm asking. Yeah, it's probably going to be another 1.5 or 2, because really all they have on the other side is the other tower to build. And maybe connect the connectors to the tower on the podium level. So really what's missing is is the second tower, and, and they they've ixnade the uh that shopping center that was way out on the corner of the echelon appears to be gone but i'm going to say for that it's going to be a total six 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 five are we and it's all done how i mean
0: given these changes and things are rolling are these improvements are they scale back like what what how do what's the scope in which we should view the updated renderings from what we saw before
1: I think it's just refined it's further refined and I really like that outdoor amphitheater thing I think that's a great fantastic idea it it reminded me of Derek a little bit you know he purchased the, the uh the deal and purchased the uh, the courthouse and just put in a rock and roll venue you know just a slab for some partying this has you know a slope to it too so you can sell tickets so they can still monetize some of that space and that will provide entertainment that will spill into the casino and it's outdoor uh but generally, it just seems like it's further refining the interiors, the exteriors, the lighting, the layout, and things of of what's what's happening here. I don't see it as a scale back at all.
0: Are do we have an updated opening date?
1: Mid two thousand eight, two thousand eighteen, I believe. Okay,
0: exciting, very exciting. <laughs> uh, I know people were nervous that they hadn't, you know done any sort of super visible signs of of work on the property nervous that maybe it wasn't going to happen so it's nice to see them you know sort of verify their commitment i believe that the governor there they had uh, of course uh, county commissioner steve Wynn and his wife were there uh, it was quite, <laughs> quite the party um so big event we'll have to i i love watching them build stuff so it'll be great to see The the uh, workforce out in big numbers. Plus, you know, of course, construction industry in Nevada definitely needs the work. So, be good to uh,
1: get some folks out there doing their jobs. I want to toss this out there: the Elon, Elon, Alonzo, Alonero, whatever they're calling that thing now. Yes. As you stated earlier, uh, they were talking like in the mid two two point x billion dollars to build that, and Hmm. scheduled for twenty seventeen. Hmm. Yeah, so I
0: mean, it's interesting to consider those kinds of numbers in context. And do we have a room count for? Um, well, I guess for I've lost track of the the figures. Is there a room count for Resorts World, and is there a r- room count for Alonzo? Um, Alonzo,
1: Alonzo, they have said nothing. Yeah, that's what I thought. Other than uh, I, a couple of things in the in uh, Crown's filings, which I, I've I feel- posted, but. I feel like
0: the sort of cost per room is an interesting metric because, you know, of course, if you build a 2,000-room hotel, it's going to cost less than a 5,000-room hotel no matter what you put inside it. Um, so I think that's an interesting metric. I mean, going backwards, right? When Las Vegas was 2,700 rooms and $2.7 billion, uh, which at the time was this, you know, a pretty eye-popping million-dollar-per-room metric. Um, Bellagio, you know, 1.8, 1.7, 1.8 billion, give or take. Um We'll have to see. You know, the $2.5 billion isn't what it used to be. But uh, I think we all assume that Alonzo is being built to compete with other high-end properties. But maybe we're wrong about that. I don't know. We're going to have to see. Um. I I assume, like, the robotic pandas at Resorts World don't come cheap. I don't know if they have robotic (laughs) pandas, but they totally should. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that, that place looks like it's got a lot of gizmos and doodads that uh, that probably cost a
1: lot of money. That is true. I wonder if if the Elon thing is also just smoke of the first... You know, the, a smoke test of the yeah. first pass to see what, what, what it might cost. And, right. it, and it would have to be a phase one, too. Yeah. Because that's a big parcel, too.
0: Yeah, I mean, until you... Until you, I mean, so you sort of do these things in phases, right? You're like, well, you know, do a sort of uh, a market fit study, figure out what the market needs, what we can build, figure out how much you think you might be able to raise and spend. And then you design it. And you, of course, sort of design it within spec. You want to say, well, you know, we have this much to spend. We don't want to sort of design something that costs twice as much. But that stuff can shift until until they make announcements. It seems like it's sort of anything could change there. Uh, Dave, are people at the center pretty excited? The the Denver Center for Performing (laughs) Gaming Arts, are they super excited about uh, Resorts World?
2: Yeah, yeah, I think so. It'll be nice to see something new get built. That's for sure. So I think think so.
0: Will you go visit Resorts World? Yeah.
2: You know, Mm -hmm. I still have not been back to SLS since the opening, although I've wanted to go. I've not. So, yeah, well, it's nothing against them. I don't generally don't hang out in casinos very much these days. So I don't know. Yeah, I'll definitely visit it. You know, will I do a lot of stuff there? Probably not. But I'm not part of the Chinese mass market, so I'm not the target customer. <laughs> That's
0: Excellent dodge. Excellent dodge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I'm excited about Resorts World. I think, uh, you know, the sort of over the top, uber themed, super super expensive to build, big investment kind of thing sounds fun to me. So I'm pro fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's my platform for 2016. Steve Wynn is trying to concoct the system where we pay teachers based on some kind of testing thing I didn't understand. I am just <laughs> pro fun. Pro fun. That's a good idea.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. Um, to before we close things out today, one final story. Um, Sam Nazarian, the uh, chief executive officer of SBE Entertainment, the folks that uh, have a large stake but um, no control whatsoever, don't look over this way, in um, SLS Las Vegas and, uh, of course, other SLS hotels around uh, all over the place plus a bunch of restaurants and whatnot. There was a story this week that uh, the SLS Beverly Hills is being sold. So um, SBE will continue to manage the property, but they will no longer own it. They will no longer have an ownership stake. I don't know if they were 100% owners or if they were partners with anybody, but they're selling that part, and they just want to manage it, which, um, you know, if you, I read a couple of of news reports on this. It sounds like the company made the decision to sell about a year ago, so... um, not something that was necessarily all that sudden, but uh, the way that they framed it, is at least, makes it sound like, look, we can, we have these assets that we can sell at a huge profit. Um, we are going to maintain the management side. It almost sounds like they're kind of maybe going towards a more of like a Four Seasons kind of model, um, where they're more about you know managing places and building a brand than they are about owning real estate. Um, but what does this say about SBE? I mean, we've talked a lot about SLS and how it seems to be having some trouble. It's been quiet recently, for better or worse. Though, uh, big weekend with Rock and Rio um, across the street this week. Uh, what does this say, if anything? I mean, Chuck, this is, you know, in your neck of the woods. Um, you've been there. What do you think? Mm-hmm.
1: You know, he he did put this thing up for sale a year ago, and a year ago in the middle of trying to secure the, the last bits of the cash for, it was only a year ago, wasn't it, or so, to, yeah. to get uh, SLS yeah. going. They were just signing the last document. So maybe there's some covenants or something we don't know about. I don't know. I don't trust the guy. But generally, you know, what, what they've done is is uh, create a, uh, a real estate investment trust, but instead of putting the money in the trust, they put it in their pocket. They sold the real estate, but they keep the brand, they keep the name on the window, and they'll charge these guys, uh, whoever the next owner is, a fee. So they want to have skin in the game, but not blood. The SLS is a very small hotel. It's not all that big. Uh, Their most popular feature is a Jose Andres restaurant in there, which is probably the only reason why you want to go there. I can't imagine why else you'd go there. It's a great restaurant. Fantastic. They when you eat there, they make you get up when desserts come and they put you they put you in a seat in the in the gift shop, the assoline gift shop, to go have your dessert. You can't eat dessert in the in the dining room. It's kind of weird. But you know, Why this is basically because 'cause the they're rationale? trying to turn they're trying to turn tables over faster. Huh. Okay. So the second your last plate are you guys want dessert? Do all right, we're going to move you to the other room. Then they put in somebody else to start their tapas show. Huh. Yeah, It's a little, uh, you know, some people think it's charming. I, I think it's insulting, but, um, you know, it's it's kind of a Marriott deal, I guess. They're just trying to get the brand. You know, Sam loves his logos. He loves his, his names and these things and feels it these brands are really, really important. That's what they always talk about. We're filling up SLS Las Vegas with all of our famous brands. You know, they're famous to them. They're famous to a few people, but, you know, as it shows, it hasn't really panned out, so. You can't eat brands for dinner. Nope. Well, I thought. They didn't want to make those real estate payments. Who knows, you know. But, yes, it is true. Real estate, since they bought that place, which was, what, 2009, of course, the values have gone up since then.
0: Yeah, the L.A. Times uh, story talked about some other. I guess Southern California hotels in general are at a sort of high at a high right now. So you know, and if that's really the truth, and I could, you know I can understand one them wanting to take some money off the table, especially if it means that they can go. Maybe this is their strategy, right? They go and they buy a distressed property, they flip it, uh, they or they refurbish it, they throw their name on it, they theoretically improve it. Um, and then they eventually sell the underlying real estate, but continue this management contract and rinse and repeat. maybe, yeah, I don't know. I do not know um we hope that s l s Las Vegas will uh have a big surge this weekend. They certainly need it as there is a uh concert across the street, though it sort of sounds like the concert has not also not quite done as well as maybe it was originally hoped. Um, they've been sort of scaling back their projections. Still, it's destined to be a big event, I'm sure, either way. A clusterfuck for traffic and parking. Good luck. Uh, (laughs) I guess, I guess the monorail was a good idea after all. (laughs) Um, okay. Uh, unless we have anything else on SLS Beverly Hills, we are going to be done for the day. Um... That will lead us to sure bets. Uh, SureBets. SureBets, our opportunity to make a recommendation or endorsement of something we think that you might find interesting. Um,
1: Chuck, other than Orkin, who would you like to recommend? Uh, I'm really fascinated by this new compression algorithm. They've been discovering. Pied it's made, Pied Piper? Made by, yeah, made by this uh, tech firm called Pied Piper. Uh, uh, they're just in the early stages of receiving funding and staffing up. Uh So uh, I'm really into it. You should check it out. Got it. Okay. I'll put the
0: link in the show notes. Thanks. Uh, um, Dr. Dave, uh, anything that you want to recommend?
2: Yeah. I want to, again, thank uh, Greg Blake Miller, my editor at Vegas 7, and for the work he's done with me there. And he's now actually doing freelance stuff. And he's a company called Olympian Creative Consulting. And he works with people – helping them with their writing and doing stuff like that. So I just wanted to let people know if they're saying, hey, I like the writing that I, that I see, that I do. If you want to work with somebody to help you along with your writing, as he's helped me a lot, I would definitely suggest Greg.
0: Cool. Uh, if you have a link the thing, I'll look it up. But if there's any links, it is, to add, it is, it's just been sent. Okay, perfect. Um, awesome. The one thing that I want to talk about is something called Periscope um periscope is an app currently on the iphone only though uh, my understanding is that they do intend to do an android version um it's owned by twitter actually uh and it's basically sort of live video streaming that's built that's sort of tied into the twitter social graph um so you know you can choose to be notified as people go live and then you can interact with them so you can put comments that they can see on the screen and, and they can choose to talk back to you um Periscope ha- has been in the news uh, a bit lately because of the uh, big fight we saw last weekend. There were, you know, the the fight was a pay per view event, and um, there were also a lot of folks that were using Periscope to broadcast it uh, on the internet for as sort of a piracy type deal. So there were some stories around that. It was very interesting. Um, it was also used by the sports nets to uh, do some pre coverage in a le- more legitimate way, um, but. Our good friend Eric Stevens has been using Periscope as well. You know, he's been going through the Riviera. They ended up buying the slot machines that were in there to put into the D and the Golden Gate. Uh, he seems to be embracing it. I think it's a really interesting tool um, in sort of these short, live videos. I fired up a Periscope, and 50 people joined to watch me stand in line at BevMo. So um, <laughs> I can't guarantee that all of the videos are going to be awesome. But I think it's fascinating. Uh, it's also just sort of interesting testament to how sort of trends in technology go. Live video streaming is not a new thing per se, but um, for whatever reason, the packaging, I guess, and the combination with the social media stuff, Periscope's really taken off. Um, we'll see if it is a staying power or not. But um, I could totally imagine, you know, periscoping parts of uh, vimfin October if it's still a thing. But I, I think it's fascinating for those that are interested. Um, go check it out. It's sort of a, a window into other people's lives. It's got, um, it, instead of being like time-shifted media, like where you record a video and someone can watch it later, there's there's time limits on how long these things last. I think um, either they don't archive at all or there's a max of 24 hours. Um, so it's more like place-shifting. You can sort of like, be in someone else's uh, see through someone else's eyes for some short period of time which may or may not be a good idea um, but I think it's kind of an interesting phenomenon, it'll be interesting to see if it continues to to uh, to continues to grow but um, it's been fun to watch it explode over the last couple of weeks so um, Periscope, I think the website is periscope, periscope.co uh, it's on the app store it should not be hard to find it's .tv whatever vegastripping.com it's over there will find it there um i also wanted to uh, endorse the Vegas Tripping podcast we talked about that at the top of the show if you're not already subscribed you should go check that out it's uh very different from what we do here sort of a long form so sort of, kind of like a jam session with uh the dudes from vt so it's fun enjoy it you should definitely go check it out i recommend it uh the most recent episode discusses uh Mr. Steve Wynn, where one of the questions is, is Steve Wynn a good person? So yeah. that is what you have to look forward to if you go over to the <laughs> Vegas Stripping Podcast. I recommend it. Spamble. All right. Yeah, of course. Um, don't forget to rate the show on iTunes. We do appreciate that, uh, basically to feed my ego. So that would be fantastic. <laughs> um, also, if you want to leave a comment about the show, you know, we don't get a ton of comments, but I'm actually always really pleased that the comments we do get are very thoughtful. Um, so yeah they're really good comments so we really appreciate that you can do that over at VegasGangPodcast.com there's going to be a post for the episode that's the best place to do that uh, you also can follow us uh, on Twitter at Vegas Gang. Um, welcome to Senator Dean Heller, who is now following us on Twitter. Yes, which not Twitter. sure what, not sure what to make of that. But uh, welcome, Senator Heller. Um, if you need us to consult on any legislation for the state, <laughs> uh, two thirds of us live in California, but uh, we'd be happy to give our perspective. Um, yeah, well, that was that was. I was not expecting to see that email today. Um, <coughs> That is all we got for today. Thank you guys for being here. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Let me go around the table one more time. You guys can tell folks where they can find you. Uh, Dr. Dave Schwartz, where can people find you?
2: They can find me at the Vegas 7 in that Riviera article. That would be a great place to start this week. Is that the cover of this week? It is. It sure is. Congratulations. Thank you.
1: Uh, Chuck Monster, where can people find you? I'm really wondering when Vegas 7 is just going to change its name to Dave's Weekly Cover Story. <laughs> really, because you're, you're carrying that, that whole publication on your back, Dave.
2: I wouldn't go that far. I think that the nightclub ads have a lot more to do with it than I do. Okay. But it, 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 it is really nice that they trust me with the cover story that often. That means a lot. Absolutely. You can find me at uh, vegastripping.com
1: or at Chuck Monster on the Twitter and Instagram. Most
0: excellent. Uh, If you're looking for an iPhone app for Las Vegas, you can go find Vegas Mate on the iTunes app
1: store, or you can find me on Twitter at...